You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. You can be seated in the presence of God. He is here tonight in all His power, all His splendor, and all His glory. You enjoy the worship. Isn't this worship band something else? Yes. Aren't they something else? Give them a round of applause. They take them to the presence of God. You have your Bibles tonight. Go to Psalm 34, verse number 18 with me. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. I was asked this week what was the hardest thing about being a pastor. I said the hardest thing is about being and doing what I do is wanting to take the people to a place they've never been. Getting them to follow me and essentially follow Jesus. Because I know you have your jobs and you do what you do, but I spend a lot of time every week on my face before the Lord. This week I spent 60 hours in study alone. So I can have a fresh word from heaven. And God puts so much in my spirit sometimes that I want to come at you like a fire hose and just blast you with it. Sometimes I blast you with it and that makes me feel good, but you're left trying to choke, choke on a word. Let me blast you tonight, okay? Someone say, blast me, Pastor. Blast me. I'll blast you right in the face with this word from God. My heart is heavy because in a good way. More I should say it's full. If you open up your spirit to receive what God has for you tonight, your life is never going to be the same. I can promise you that. Because I want to minister to you a word that God placed in me this very night for your life to change you. I promise you that whatever you've come in with, whatever affliction, many you come in with sorrow, sorrow, you come in with heaviness. Some of you are facing financial difficulties. You don't know how you're going to pay your visa bill. You don't know how you're going to pay your MasterCard bill. Here's a tip. Stop using it. No. <laughs> that always helps, right? Train it up. Someone tried to sell give me another visa card this week, and I said, no, no, I have enough. No, no, I said, no, trust me, I have enough of those things, right? Some of you are here, and you're wounded, you're brokenhearted, you're sad, you're gloomy, you're down, whatever that may be. Many times people come and they're looking for an answer as though I could tell you something you've not thought about in your mind already. Maybe I have an answer to a problem that something I'm going to tell you that's going to change everything for you. And that's not how it's going to work for you. How it's going to work for you is if you enter into the kingdom of God. You don't say, well, Brother Homer, many times people came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, what's the answer to my problem? You know what Jesus would say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You want to know how to fix everything? Step into my kingdom. Well, I have torment in my life. Follow me. Well, you don't understand. My mother, follow me. So, is there a way that we can follow the Lord into his kingdom? If you're taking notes, write this down. 
What is the kingdom of God? When I use this statement. John the Baptist came proclaiming the kingdom. It was something that was an Old Testament. I'm not going to get into it with you tonight. But the kingdom of God essentially is what God is doing through Jesus Christ to reconcile the earth back to himself. What God is doing through Jesus Christ to reconcile the earth back to himself. And that is primarily his sovereign rule over all creation. The question is then, is the kingdom now or is the kingdom yet future? There is a component to the kingdom where it's yet future. In other words, Jesus Christ is going to come back. Look up here. Jesus Christ is going to come back. You know he's going to set up his sovereign rule. He's going to come and land upon the Mount of Olives, the word of God says. And he's going to begin his sovereign rule and his sovereign reign. So there's a part of the kingdom where it's yet to come. We don't see Jesus as a political leader yet. But the kingdom has also come. And when I say the kingdom has come, what I mean is that Jesus has broken into the earth. The devil's power has been compromised. Are you here tonight? Yeah. His sovereign rule, the enemy, his power and his grip upon mankind has been broke. I said a couple weeks ago that when Jesus came to the earth for the very first time, it was like D-Day when the Axis' powers were invaded by the Allies. And when the Axis' powers were invaded by the Allies, that was when World War II primarily came to an end. But there had to be conflict until Hitler finally, in, or the German Nazi forces finally said, it's over, we, we wave the flag of surrender. That time the enemy has surrendered has not yet come. But until that point, there is now a mixing of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness here in this present age. And there will remain that conflict until Jesus comes, grabs the devil, and throws him and locks him up for the ages to come. Are you with me tonight? So... Jesus came and was proclaiming to Israel the kingdom, and they didn't believe it because they were expecting the kingdom to come with pomp and circumstance. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's small. You may overlook it, and it's put into the earth, and it grows up to be big. In other words, it has a humble beginning, but it will eventually rule everything. The kingdom of God is like leaven, which mixed in dough, and eventually that kingdom is going to overtake everything violently, but you can't see it until it expands itself. Are you here tonight? Yes. The kingdom of God is like a dragnet which is thrown in and gets all kinds of fishes. And at the end of the age, it's separated. In other words, it's going to attract all different kinds of followers. But the question is, how can you become a legitimate follower of the kingdom? And the ministry of Jesus was constantly telling people how you can enter in and follow him. It's not about having possessions. It's not about doing what you want and fulfilling your ambition. The answer to your purpose in life is learning how to lay this life down. It means nothing to me. I'll lay it down so I can take it up in the age of ages. Are you here I said, are you following Jesus in his kingdom? Well, I can't do what you do, you know, Brother Paul. You know, you got, you know, I, if I do that, I'll lose my money if I do that. What about my stocks? What about my popularity? And Jesus told the rich young ruler, listen, sell everything you have and give to the poor. That doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to sell your motor scooter and your skateboard and give it to the Salvation Army. You're the power of God. You know what that means? It means simply this. If you love anything more than the kingdom, you're not fit to follow. 
If you love anything more than the kingdom, you are not fit to involve yourself with it. And you are going to be left out. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, then you're willing to follow everything that you're worried about. All your possessions. Whether your wayward son comes back to know Jesus or not. Whether your wayward daughter comes back to know Jesus or not. Everything is going to take care of itself. Because you have thrown yourself upon an invisible kingdom. And God is going to see that his loving relationship to you as a father works it out for your life. tragedy that comes into my life. You belong to a kingdom. Don't you see? You belong to something supernatural. It's unshakable. He's going to see to it that he has your back. Someone say, preach basketball. You're all looking at me like, no, 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 you're going to try and help me tonight. Trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Jesus shows up at your door when you say, Jesus, what do I do? He knocks on your door. He says, Jesus, he's going to help me. And he has a cross for you. He says, will you follow me? Yeah, I want to follow you. Will you carry this cross? But it's heavy. Carry it. But Lord, it's ugly. Carry this cross. Well, can I, you know, I, I'm busy right now. Carry the cross. Because if you carry this cross, I'll see to it that you receive a hundredfold of this life in the age to come. Eternal life. I don't want nothing to do with this world. Mike, I want nothing to do with this world. I don't You know what the word pure in heart means? It means that your heart is like a pure bread. There's nothing, there's no other element in there except for the desire to follow Jesus. Are you here? Blessed are the pure in heart. It says in Psalm 34, verse 18. Let me read this to you tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about having a pure heart. And what I'm going to call it is a broken heart. Someone say a broken heart. Someone say, neighbor, you need to have a broken heart. Oh, you mean what? I gotta go have someone dump me? No, I'm not talking about when, you know, Sally Sue calls you up and changes the Facebook status. To, it's complicated. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm gonna say when, when Boo stops sending you Snapchat. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about a broken heart. Some of y'all looking at that. What's Snapchat? Don't worry about it. You don't need to get on that stuff. <laughs> live all night taking pictures of the ceiling and little ants and their antlers and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the broken heart. Someone say close. How many want God to be close to you? Wouldn't it be something if you wake up in the morning and there's the Holy Spirit right there next to you? You go to bed at night, you can just sense the Holy Spirit standing there. How many know that will fix a lot of your problems right there? You drive in your car to work and all of a sudden you sense the presence of God there. I mean, that's a good start to a good day. You don't even need your Starbucks. You don't even need to stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get that large coffee. You don't need that tall blonde that you get at Starbucks. All you need is that presence. Are you here tonight, people? Come on. Yes, yes. I'm not turning down my energy tonight because you won't come with me. Come on. All right. I'm going from first year to fourth year. If you're not going to follow me, then you just stay back there and let me burn the rubber in front of you, okay? I get the dream cruise. You know, those cars, they burn rubber. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to get the smoke in your face if you don't come with me. He says, he's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. 
the way in the kingdom of reigning on the way into the kingdom of God. The answer to your problem is to have a broken spirit. It says in Isaiah 66 too, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. If you're in our Bible class, this is parallelism. It means who tremble at my voice. So having a humble heart, what's it mean to be humble? It means to be a doormat. Let people wipe their shoes on you when they walk by. No, I don't mean that. That's weakness. Well, being humble means that I wear beat-up clothes. No, you may like beat-up clothes, but that's not being humble. It means that I just can't say, I can't say I'm good. Someone says, good job. No, I'm just a lowly one. No, no, that's not being humble. Being humble means that you tremble at the word of God. That means that when God talks, you are listening. It means that when a preacher is preaching to you the word of God, you tune your ear in. It means that when God says that's bad, you say, I'm sorry, Lord. It means that when God says, do this and that pleases me, you say, aye, aye, Captain. Are you tonight? It means that you have a value on the word of God. It says in Isaiah 57, 15, the high and lofty, one who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says, I live in high and holy place for those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those <clears throat> with repentant hearts. How do we want to be revived by God tonight? Yes. Come and say, God, someone say, God, revive me. God, say, Holy Spirit, breathe upon me. You've been anxious all week because there's somebody in your life that is not serving God. You have wore out because that rebellious person just won't give their heart to Jesus, just won't surrender. You're wondering when their next antic is going to bring. You can't take the pain anymore. What is the answer? And I'm telling you tonight to enter into the kingdom, the answer is to have a broken spirit. So, you say, Brother Palmer, someone just got an email, you hear that? God emailing them, be broken. What is a broken heart? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A broken heart is a heart that is breaking within itself. It is a heart that is pliable to the Word of God. Someone say pliable to the Word of God. It is a heart that is patient under the chastisement of God. It is a heart that is subdued and brought into obedience. And a heart that is tender before the word. It says in Psalm 51, 17, that it is a broken heart that God accepts above all the rest. Someone say, God accepts my broken heart. There's many people today, and they're doing things for the Lord. But they'll tell you that their Christianity is getting old and is getting boring. And I can tell you the reason why. Because your Christianity, your experience with God is going to get old when you don't have the presence of God in your life. Your experience with the Lord is going to get old when your relationship with God is not continually renewed day by day. Are you here tonight? Yes. And if you want your relationship
relationship with God to continually be renewed, the answer is not another Bible study. The answer is not going to church and just doing another thing, serving in an auxiliary at your church. The answer is daily coming before God with a heart that is saying, Lord, you are my everything. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I can't do without you. I need you. Lord, speak to me. I can't live without you in my life. The example of a broken heart in scripture is King Josiah. Someone say Josiah. Josiah. Second Kings chapter 22 verse 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. You know that Israel was a wicked nation before God. God told Israel, I want you to stay away from idols. Don't you go marrying any foreign women because you know men, how women, they get around you and they start telling you what to do. And men say, yes, go ahead. You should be that way. Men should honor their women. But he says, if you start messing with those Philistine women and the Ammonites and the Canaanites, eventually you are going to start accepting their gods. Young single person, listen to me right now. Be careful who you tie yourself with because whoever you hook up with, you are going to take on their spirit. It's why you don't sit with someone prematurely because you get wrapped up into them and before long you won't be serving God. You'll be serving their God and not our God. Are you here tonight? That's why you don't talk to someone if they're not in love with Jesus because you're saying, I'm committed to entering into the kingdom. Are you here tonight? Yes. I love boring people. People say, well, you're too fired up. People will leave the church. Listen, I want people excited. I want people that say, send me out there. Let me pick this up. The Bible says that when he began to reign, he was eight years old. Eight years old. But again, how old is your daughter right now? You're eight? Come on, here, sweetheart. What's your name? Brianna, you so I like those pink shoelaces. Oh, they're so sweet. Come turn around. Let me show you. Want to stand on this chair. Can she stand on this chair? Stand right up here. I'm going to hold you. This is an eight-year-old right here. Can you imagine if she became the queen of Israel at eight years old? You say, who's the king? Who's the queen? Brianne. But she's only eight years old. But she's next in line to be the king. Thank you, Brianne. Jill. Can you step down? Go on, Brianne. Go on. Go on. I'll buy you some candy after that. He becomes king. Eight years old. Something happens in the 18th year of his reign. He says to his high priest, go into the temple and take all the tax money. All this money we've been collecting, we're going to put it to good use. We're going to rebuild the temple that was destroyed. There's cobwebs in the temple. There's spiderwebs everywhere you go. People haven't been going in there. You know, there's dust on the books, dust on the scrolls. And they begin repairing it. And all of a sudden, his high priest, Hilka, finds a scroll. Oh, my God, I believe some of you are going to find a scroll. And you're like, what's that mean? It means that it's the flower. This is the fresh word of God from Israel. A fresh word came into Israel. He pulls this scroll out. He takes it to Josiah. And Josiah says, read me what that scroll says. It's a new fresh word. And he starts reading the Torah. Moses' law. The law of Moses. And he reads the part where it says that all these blessings will come upon you if you're obedient. And all these curses will come upon you if you're disobedient. 
and he dawns on Josiah, and he shreds his clothes, and he starts weeping before God because he realizes that Israel has been disobedient to the law of God. Kings before him didn't care to that. Yeah. So what? So what? So what? But Josiah's heart broke when the word of God was released. Do you know why people do not get their deliverance? Why people stay bound in sin? You can have people come with sexual addiction. You can have people come with depression. You can have people come with all sorts of things in their life. The reason they will not get their deliverance is because God cannot touch you when your heart's not broke. The first step to deliverance is a heart that says, God, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry. When your heart gets crushed because you have been disobedient to the word of God. Josiah says, oh, no. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? He says to the prophetess, a woman, hold up. He says, she says, hold up, come here. Go before the Lord and ask the Lord if we're in trouble. Make sacrifices. Repent before Israel and ask God if we're in trouble. Brother goes before the Lord inquires because in those days prophets were the ones that heard. And Hoda comes back and says, Josiah has some news for you. The Lord God Almighty says his anger is burning and is hot towards Israel. And Israel is going to come under a judgment because we broke the covenant with Almighty God. But here's what the Lord says. Because you have a contrite and a broken heart, none of these curses you shall see in your day. When your heart is broken before God, listen to me. There may be reason for destruction to come into your life. There may be reason for poverty and sickness and disease to come into your life. But when your heart is broken, God does not become your persecutor. He becomes your Here tonight. You know what a broken heart does? Number one, it repents. It says, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. But do you know what Josiah did next? He says, call everybody in my palace here. He says, every single temple that has been built outside of the name of the Lord, the temple of Asherah, the temple of Baal, the temple of Molech, I want you to find those temples and burn every single one of them down. I want you to take their wicked priests and I want you to kill them. I want you to take all their followers and destroy them. We are cleaning out the land of Almighty God. And we are raising these people up again to be a people that fears the name of the Lord. And the Bible said that Josiah, with his broken heart, went from brokenness to having a holy zeal for God. He went back and started cleaning out. When you have a broken heart before God, you once again become the priest of your house. You say, in this house, we won't have bad movies. In this house, we won't have pornography. In this house, we won't have no peace. In this house, I won't stand for it. We're going to pray in the morning. 
church one time. Massive church, big church. Pastor gets up. He says, I mean, miracles, it's just powerful. All the stuff that's going on in the church. The pastor says, we need to return to the fear of God. I said, what? This church has got it going on. But something in his heart felt that they had gotten stagnant. He says, I want my family to come up and repent before Almighty God. And his family came up and they all repented. The pastor himself, right down there. Then the leadership, the pastors, they came up and repented for Almighty God. And then the rest of the church and the covering pastors came up and they repented before Almighty God. Then the church followed and they repented from Almighty God. You know what started happening? The presence of God filled the place because God, when your heart is pliable, when your heart trembles at its word, there's a hesitation that comes from the Holy Are you hearing me tonight? The Bible says, who shall ascend to the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. How many people? They're walking in prosperity, but they don't have a pure heart. They're successful, but their heart is not pure. And then you have somebody that's lowly and broken before God, and God hears them. There's a story. I'm not going to turn there for sake of time. I got there's a story that Jesus tells Luke chapter 8 he was talking about having a pure heart if you're taking notes you can write this down this evening a pure heart and a broken spirit will always make your prayers effective you feel like the heaven has been brass lately you feel like you can't get a prayer to break the roof the first place you start checking is not your tithe and your offering. The first place that you check is not whether or not you did something good for the poor. The first place you check is not your spouse. It's your heart. Jesus tells a story about the temple of Solomon. And there was a publican that walked in one day. You can see the story he has. He roll on. His sash is on. He's got his tassels hanging down. The Bible says that this Pharisee walked into the very high place of the temple. And he went to make prayer before God. And here's the interesting thing. It was not the time of prayer. But there were people in the temple and he was going to be seen of men. And the thing that he said was this. Lord God, I thank thee that I am not like these publicans and these sinners. And I thank thee that I am righteous. The man was so consumed. Listen, listen. He was so consumed by his own self-righteousness and his own position in religion that he forgot to even pray. He didn't even pray. He went there to pray and all he did was make a show of who he thought he was. Because prayer begins in your heart. Yes. You guys hear? Yes. All of a sudden, Jesus says that this man's prayer was not even heard. 
But he says, in contrast to him, there was a sinner who was a publican. Somebody that was a tax collector who had been cheating and stealing. Someone says, well, Brother Palmer, I'm not good enough. You don't understand. I had a past. Listen, God doesn't care about your past. Doesn't care what you've done. Doesn't care if you're a murderer, if you're a thief, if you've stolen money from people, if you're scamming people's credit cards and going online on Amazon buying 10,000 shirts from H&M. He don't care what you're doing. <laughs> don't care if you walk past the kid and take his ice cream cone. That's terrible doing that. This is publican who walked in and doing all slashing tires and boosting cars. He came walking in to the temple. But do you know what the difference was? His heart knew that it needed the mercy of God. Your breakthrough begins when you stop relying on your own righteousness. When you stop becoming impressed with how long you've been in church. When you stop becoming impressed with how many times you've been read the Bible. When you stop becoming impressed with yourself. God says, they're a broken spirit. God is close to people, Steve, who realize that they need the kingdom. God loves it when you're broke. You say, but you don't understand. I've done all these bad things in my life. They're so bad. They're so bad. I've been in false religions. I've, I've been worshiping Satan. I've been doing all bad stuff. And God says, are you sorry for it? Yes. He says, well, guess what? I think we can be friends then. But I've been worshiping Satan. Are you sorry for it? Yeah, I'm pretty sorry for it. Well, guess what? We can be friends. But I stole the cards. We can be friends if you're sorry for it. I've slept around. We can be friends if you're sorry for it. Yeah, but I don't know. I, 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 I yell at my parents. I beat up my little brother. I lock him outside and spray him with the hose in the cold. Can, are you sorry for it? Yes, we can be friends. Jesus didn't come as a physician to heal those that are well. He came as a physician to heal those that are sick. Yes, but you don't understand. I have a child who's rebellious. You know what God is saying? When you're broken and you stop trying to do it all yourself and you rely upon me and you rely upon my kingdom and upon my strength, I'm not looking for you to figure out. I'm looking for your heart to be broken and you get down like the publican and you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Please be merciful to me. And Jesus says, that man walked away righteous. Because his heart was in the right place. He's not looking for you to figure it out. He's looking for you to no longer trust in yourself. This week I was in prayer. You know, sometimes I'm like the rest of everyone. I don't like to pray on my knees, you know, because praying on your knees is not comfortable. Your knees start to hurt and stuff. So I lay down my bed. I curled up. And I put my fleece blanket over me. And before I fell asleep for six hours, you ever fall asleep when you're praying? You wake up at six o'clock in the morning, the lights on, your Bible and your glasses are half off your face, and there's drool all over the place, and you don't even know what time it is. It's one of those kinds of nights. You're like, oh man, I gotta get up in ten minutes. 
I remember saying to God, I need you, Jesus. I need you. 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 If you don't breathe upon me, if you don't breathe upon this church, if you don't breathe upon my preaching, if you don't breathe upon my thinking, if you don't breathe upon me, it's going to be nothing. I'm not going to see fruit. Here in fact today, the Lord spoke to me and says, Look at your ministry. I said, uh-huh. He said, you know why it's been difficult in the past few years? I said, tell me please, I'd like to know. I mean, it's difficult for all of us, but he's telling me something. You know why it's been difficult for you? I said, why? He goes, because I want you to take a good look at what it's like doing things in your own strength. You know why it's difficult? For you in your life, take a good look at it. That's what it's like when you're trying to do it in your own strength, with no power from the kingdom. Here you are chasing down pastors to try and fix your problem. That's fine, but guess what? There's a better way. Here you are, baby, God, do something for my kids. Do something for my mom, my dad, before my grandpa goes home to be with the Lord. You know what God's saying? Trust in my strength. I'll lift you up. For God, I'm supposed to be prosperous. Trust in my kingdom. So, number one, a broken heart teaches you how to access God in the place of prayer. Number two, when you have a broken heart, it teaches you how to respond to God in difficult situations. The Bible is full. You guys with me tonight? The Bible is full of practical wisdom. You see the book of Proverbs that teaches you how to live life. But right next to and nearby the book of Proverbs, you find the book of Job. The book of Job is the exception. It represents in the Bible when sudden tragedy comes into your life for no apparent reason and you can't figure out why it's there. You ever see a Christian before or doing the promises of God? They got their scripture on the refrigerator and they start confessing the word. They got it on their dashboard. They eat scripture chilios and they eat scripture spaghettios and they're doing all kinds of scripture stuff. Kids paint things and then tragedy strikes Why is it Billy Graham, the most powerful preacher, bring more people to Jesus than anybody in people combined can have a son that turns his back on Jesus? Why is it Old Roberts has a son that turns his back on Jesus? Why is it that you find all these great men of God have rebellious children? You cannot find an answer to these questions. Why is it that Grandma got sick? Why is it? And the answers, I don't know. But the book of Job serves to show you that when this stuff happens in your life, if it ever happens in your life, your response cannot be to try to figure it out in your own strength and find a reason. Because if you try to figure it out, now you're hearing me tonight, if you try to figure it out in your own strength, you are pulling yourself from the kingdom. What you do is you say, God, I know this, that there's a kingdom. It's unshakable. It's the kingdom of God. And you've got the answer to the 
your promises. But I trust, I trust in the midst of tragedy, I trust. Job's three friends, Mary, Moe, and Kirk, showed up. He said, Joe, Joe, you don't understand. The reason why you did all this stuff is because tragedy comes into people's lives when they've done bad things. You lost seven children. Your houses in Bahama, in Spain, in Monaco, they all were tore up by a hurricane, Joe. And all of your bank accounts that were in Switzerland got robbed. And your yachts were sunk. And your iPhone fell in the toilet. You didn't have an iPhone, you had a droid, right? No, he was saved, he had an iPhone. All the Apple friends went, yay. What do you do when that happens? Your heart breaks. You respond to God. Job tried to figure it out. You spent. You know the book of Job is frustrating because you don't read that book. It's long, man. You want to read Job? It's a long book. Better have your coffee warmer next to you because your coffee's going cold by the fourth chapter. You get through the book of Job and you realize that for 42 chapters, he doesn't get it right. He's saying all types of stupid stuff. Trying to figure out all his problems. You waste all this time going through the book of Job to hear foolishness from his friends. And finally, you get to the end of Job. Job gets on his knees. God. He says, Lord, I admit it's not by my strength. I admit, God, that you are who I can trust in in times of uncertainty. This is having a heart that's broken before God. You see what's going on here? You have a heart that is angst by sin. You have a heart that is willing to go to God in prayer, not in your own strength. You've got a heart that knows how to respond in times of, certain, of difficulty. And then you've got a heart that is willing to respond the right way, number three, in times when God is trying to teach you a lesson. It's called chastisement. God didn't put sickness. No, no, I'm not talking about God putting sickness upon you. Listen to what it says here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. What are you talking about? Watch this. The word chastisement in the book of Hebrews is the word beada. It comes from Everyone's like, yeah, I knew that, right? It comes from the word that means child. Chastisement means that when a father loves his child so much, he finds his child's passions that may be too much, and he curbs those passions. He finds that child's energy and his enthusiasm, and he says, listen, you got all that energy, you got all that enthusiasm, but I'm going to have to curb it for you and push you in the right direction. And it may be painful while I chastise you and why I discipline you, but I'm doing it to mold you and shape you and perfect you and make you the person that I'm trying for you to be. And many times in your life, when disappointment comes, God's chastised me. Let me tell you a story, okay? You know I'm an author, right? I had a book out there. 
Oh my God, I would love to have a major publisher. I have knocked on every door I know how to knock on. My books don't stink, they're not the best, they don't stink. Thank you, Sean. I'll give you that 20 bucks later. Finally, a publisher, they wrote me, they said, Brother Paul, I didn't say Brother Paul, I said, Chris, we're you thinking about picking up your book. I said, okay, no problem. You know, I like, like that plan. You better hurry up, because I got 20 others trying to do the same thing. Got my hopes up for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden, they emailed me back and said, we're sorry at this time, you know. All I saw, all I saw was the email, and it says, I'm sorry, I didn't even read it. Do you want to know something? That happened Monday morning. You want to know something? I said, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. This is a hard check Monday. I felt the presence of God coming down me. I looked at my books. I said, you know what, God? I care less. I don't care. I don't care if it ever goes anywhere. I don't care if they sit in the box. I don't care if anyone ever reads it. You know why I don't care? Because you know what matters why I do care. But you know what matters most to me? It matters most to me that I love you, Jesus. You want to take my books and do, you want to rip them in half, go ahead and rip them in half. You want to throw them out the window, go ahead and throw them out the window. But I'm going to tell you something. God, I love you so much. I'm going to write another book. And I love you so much, I'm going to write another book. I love you so much, God. I love you so much, I'll give them all away. No, I'm just playing. But I love you, God, so much, it doesn't matter to me. I love you. Oh, God, I love you.
I told the Lord, it doesn't matter, God. I'm going to be an evangelist of the Word of God and travel all over and tell people about Jesus. And he said, Chris, the moment I did that, the pain left me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How? You don't understand. How do you respond to difficulty? Yeah, I'm not married. I'm still single. How do you respond? Well, I can't find anybody. I go on match.com and spend every night from 11 to 3 looking for people. And I can't find anybody. How do I, how do, I do that? You don't understand. I, I can't find a job, you know? Every time I turn my application, someone's there before me. What do you do? You trust in God's word. Let me share this one story about the kingdom with you quickly. I'm going to pray for people. There's a kingdom that we serve is powerful. I know the reality of it. When I was I can tell you that the powerful are not the perfect. The powerful are the ones who have pure hearts. When you see somebody and say, I want to be like that person. You're not seeing someone who has never sinned. You're seeing somebody who when they sin, they get it right. That second. Powerful person are the people that never mess up. They're people that when they mess up, they care about messing up. When you live life like this, You'll find your way into the kingdom. Jesus says, listen, Jesus saw all these people. He was sitting on a hill, 4,000 people, 5,000, 7,000. I don't know how many in the Bible. There's a lot of people. How about that? He's sitting on this hill, and he sees all these people that are worried. When are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? But Jesus, you're going to die. But Jesus, but Jesus. And Jesus looked at him, and he said, empty the end. At the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are they that enter in therein. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Do you know why people, that Jesus is talking about not necessarily going to heaven, he's talking about living in congruency with his kingdom. represent the kingdom. When you have an obedient heart before God, this is you in disobedience, just bumping and stuff. Running around, oh, just walking around like the blind man, like putting the tail on the donkey, not know where to go, just breaking your leg and bumping your nose and stuff like that. But, but, when you say, God, I know you have a kingdom. I trust you, I'm going to have a broken heart. You know what happens? The kingdom starts guiding you. God's the elite. The kingdom. You don't know where you're going. The kingdom starts taking you. The kingdom starts guiding you. You don't know where you're going, but the Holy Spirit starts guiding you and showing you the direction that you're supposed to go in because His kingdom is His wisdom. I'll tell you a story quickly. I'm going to pray for people because right now, tonight, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to release the dimension of the kingdom. Another definition of the kingdom is God's dimension in this age. You step into another dimension. You step into it. I remember I was 20 years old. I needed a job. 
just evangelistic team coming. Are you guys still with me tonight? Someone complained I preached too short, so I'll make it up this time, okay? Look, look, look. 20 years old. I got my first car payment. $150 a month, man. I wish I paid $150 a month in my car. It was a nice Jeep Grand Cherokee. Man, $150 a month, that was nice. I needed a job. Just a young chappy. I said, God, I need a job. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you know what? I, you know where I applied? To be an ice cream man. But to be an ice cream man, I'm not making fun of it. I applied to be an ice cream man. I called the guy at 11 o'clock at night. Woke him up out of bed, the guy who gave the job. And he said to me, you're calling me again? You're really losing your chance at the job. <laughs> Call me, I love you. Okay, I'm right. <laughs> so finally I said, God, I need the kingdom. I need to appeal to the kingdom. The Lord says, I want you to be at church every day of the summer serving. I said, I don't want to do that. God says, I will show you how this fits into my plan. You just need to obey that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a church cleaning toilets and stuff like that. I'm sorry. It's not what I envisioned for a good summer. But I said, how am I going to work? How am I going to take care of myself? He says, you just tell your pastor that you're going to be there every day to clean the bolts on the floor at that church, and I'll take care of you. I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. So I obey God. Then the Lord spoke to my heart after that, and he says, go to Art Man Furniture and apply for a job. I said, okay. Went to Art Man Furniture. The one right there in my room. Drive by and think of it. I walk up in here and I felt like God's man. I felt like the kingdom's taking care of me. Through Art Man. Walk into Art Man Furniture. I said, I'm here to apply for a job. They said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, whatever I can make the most money. They said, well, you want to work in the back taking pieces off the truck. I said, okay. So I walked in there and he says, well, this is what we're going to do. You go take pieces off the truck and We'll hire you, you know. Why don't you go take this drug test? So I wasn't doing anything bad. I went and took the drug test. I hadn't been doing anything bad. So I knew I was going to pass. You know what happened? Well, first of all, let me back the story. The Lord had asked me, what is it that you want from this job? I said, I want three things. i got to be at church every night, so I have to get off in the evenings. So I have to probably start early in the morning. Gas was at $2, which at that time was expensive, so I didn't want to drive all the way. And I wanted to make $11 an hour. These are the three things that I had in my heart to do. God said, all right, man. So I went there. They sent me to take a drug test. And three days went by. I didn't hear from him. I thought, uh-oh. Wait a second. I want to take the drug test. And they didn't call me back. What if the sample got switched with somebody else? And I wouldn't worry about this. I'm not going to come, please. Is the kingdom. Watch how it works now. See, the kingdom, like Steve showed you, has your back. It's behind you when you have a pure heart, when you're obedient to God, when you say, God, yes, I'll serve. I'll go street with you. I'll tell people about you. I'll do it. The kingdom has your back. It's going to back you up. So God says, why don't you go to Art Van and let Art Van know that you're supposed to be working there? 
I said, what do you mean? He goes, go do what your pastor taught you to do. I said, okay. Drove my car until I made furniture. My new Jeep that I wasn't going to be able to make the payments on. Rolled the window down. Made sure no one was looking. I said, Art Van! The guy put his head out and said, what? No, I'm teasing. I said, Art Van, in the name of Jesus Christ, the King, as a representative of the kingdom, I have a word I'm supposed to be working there. And take this hiring freeze off. And if somebody has my job, I command you to be fired. Someone says, that was you that got me fired? That was me. Don't mess with me. Make sure you leave an offering tonight. You know what I'm pissed. No people won't do it. Jordan? You know what happened at that moment? Nothing. I rolled my window back and drove home. Told my dad, I didn't find a job yet. But the kingdom stopped my back. Because I have a broken heart because I'm obedient. And all of a sudden I was praying. Literally, I seriously was praying one day. My bedroom was, and the phone rang. It was Bill from our band. He says, Chris, you want to still work for us? I said, sure, I got nothing better to do. You know what I mean? Sure, I'll come check it out. I'll come check it out. I get there. He says, now there's a couple things you need to know before you sign these papers and be hiring. Number one, 6.15 in the morning, you're going to be here. You'll get off at about 4 o'clock. I said, well, that's number one. And I asked for an early job. Got it. Well, it's by my house. It's just down the street from where I live. That's number two. I'm going to have to spend time on gas. You know what he said to me? And number three, we'll pay you $11.38 an hour. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Someone say, it gets better. He said, and you better work hard because we're giving you this job because we just fired somebody. <laughs> the kingdom of God is an ever-present reality. And when you're trying to be obedient to the Lord, you're trying to stay in faith about your child. You know what God wants you to do? Trust. Trust. Trust that the kingdom has your back. Those that have a pure heart, the kingdom goes where they go. It goes into your job. It goes into your school. It goes, it goes with you. And it keeps doors open. Thank you, I have got the kingdom. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. You got the kingdom in your marriage. You got the kingdom. You can't have kids. You got the kingdom. You, you, you got financial crisis. Listen, you got the kingdom. You got the kingdom. Jordan, come on up here. Sister Helen, we send out our evangelism team. We send them out to demonstrate the kingdom. And Jordan, why don't you tell them what the Lord, the Lord did for you tonight? Um, actually, when we first, when me, uh, me and the team got into the mall, there was a, at the corner of my eye, I saw a man sitting up against the wall in a chair, and uh, so I went up. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.